Hello, everybody. I know that everything that's going on in the world right now, man, it feels a bit crazy. Every one of us has been affected by what's happening right now. There's incredible change. And we're all wondering, you know, what's next? How do we get through this? What are, what's some of the best advice out there from a practical perspective, how to lead, how to think about these things? And so I asked uh, some friends of mine, people that have been on the podcast and in our community, just to come on and record some bonus episodes on exactly just their best thinking on how they're approaching this. And some of these conversations are absolutely, they're just so equipping inspiring and fantastic and we just wanted to share these with you uh, as just some extra from us and please if there's anything at all we can do for you don't hesitate to reach out john at eternalleadership.com or steve.writer r-e-i-t-e-r at rightturn.media so please get in touch with us we would love to hear from you and god bless you in everything that's happening right now Hey everybody, today I we were going to do this series. Immediately what popped into my head was I have to call Mary. So Mary Kelly, welcome. I'm so glad you could show up today. John, I'm so excited to be talking with you and your listeners today as we're facing a very uncertain future. Yeah, and uh, Mary, you just shared with me that because of where you've been and who you've been around, you think you're probably positive for coronavirus. And I'm excited about being positive because that means I'm immune for the future and just better able to be armed and ready for what comes next. Yes, and you can probably tell from Mary, she's a very positive person. Here's a little background. You're a PhD in economics, correct? Yes. Navy commander. Uh, you taught at the Air Force Academy. And I think that's really wise, you know, that for the Air Force to bring in Navy officers to teach their young leaders is probably the best move they could make. Sorry for what? my Air Force friends listening. Oh, no, you're, you're great <laughs> about that. I'm, I had taught at Hawaii Pacific University for 20 years, uh, the Naval Academy. And then when I retired out of the Navy, I was hired by the Air Force Academy and I taught there for about 10 years. Yeah, and your website is Productive Leader. So I want to, I was just complimenting Mary, if you guys are in a leadership role and you're out there right now, the best information that I get that comes into my email box and when I'm with Mary in person is, Mary, it's what you do. It's how you communicate, what you communicate, how you think. So when I started, when I wanted to put this together, that's why I thought of you absolutely right top of my head. You're the first person I emailed. So, Oh, John, um, I'm really honored by that. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're amazing. I love how your brain works and I love your attitude and your mindset. So, but here's a question is, right, where because this is what we, before we hit record, we were just talking about, right? There's just so much unknown right now. And there's a lot of others, a lot of us listening that are in a leadership role. And it could be in our family, right? As a mom or a dad, husband, you know, uh, husband, wife, you know, we have to lead our family. I know my kids are looking at me to see how I handle all this, which I think is an incredible opportunity to, to model some good habits for them, because you know what, there's going to be adversities they're going to face 10, 20, 30 years from now. Maybe I'm around, maybe I'm not. My dad just passed away. I feel like, you know, he was in World War II in Vietnam. He was alive during the Great Depression. I mean, I think what we're experiencing now relative to that generation, they're kind of like, guys, it's okay. <laughs> it's, 
<laughs> we'll get through it, trust me. But anyway, what advice do you have for leaders today in this environment that do have a responsibility to continue to develop their people, continue to get work done, but also be there, I think, more now than ever to really kind of serve people kind of where they're at? Because uh, a lot of people are going through this from different places. So, John, I use a couple of acronyms, and you know, from the, our military backgrounds, we love acronyms, and I use an acronym called CHAF, which you're familiar with. Now, for your listeners, CHAF is a distraction. When you are flying that jet through the air and there's a missile locked onto you, it is a very bad feeling. And the first thing that goes through your head is all of the what-ifs that are negative, and it usually is expressed in about two very short words. Hmm. And then once you figure that out, <laughs> you know the words, oh, shoots. Yep. Right. And then you, you go into action. And part of that action is deploying chaff. So for people who are not familiar, chaff is like a big old garbage bag full of what looks like sawdust, but it's metal shavings. And these metal shavings then get released into the air. And the plan there, the idea, is that the missile then gets in the middle of these metal shavings in the sky and says, oh, this must be the plane. I should explode here. It explodes and you fly safely away. Chaff is a distraction. So when I talk about chaff, I say this is a leader's biggest challenge in the workplace today, and especially right now, right today, right as we're in the middle of this virus crisis, and that is people are experiencing confusion. That's the C, confusion. There are hierarchical or other obstacles getting in the way of them being effective, that they have this attention deficit that is now on hyperdrive as we are glued to our televisions and mm. glued to the bad news. And then there's fear and frustration. This is chaff. So all of those things are distractions for getting your people to do what you know they need to do, but they're just not doing it because of all of these distractions in their life. So our job as a leader is to minimize the chaff. Our job is to get our people focused, calm. We all know, and this is what we teach in SEAL team training, we know that calm is contagious. We have to get our people focused, we have to get them calm, and we have to get them back towards a productive state. Because we all know, John, that when you are fearful about a situation, that means you are not productive. And how do we get out of that fearful state? We take action. Action trumps fear all the time, every time. Yeah. Okay. So all these distractions. So if I have a team, right, and I need to move them toward action, right? You talked about that. Uh, you just said, you know, when we're fearful, we're not productive, right? Um, but we have to move toward action. And I think there's something you said that's really important and that the way that you're showing up with your people, being calm. And so here's a question for you, because I think this is a, one of a, a leader's biggest challenges, but also biggest opportunity. And that is leading and being calm and creating action in the midst of ambiguity and uncertainty. So what advice do you have for people to kind of be that kind of leader when they're sitting down going, I don't really know what to do. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And this is exactly what leadership is. So guess what? I tell my business leaders this before. You were sitting in the chair, but it wasn't really leadership. Leadership doesn't happen until things get tough. When mm -hmm. things are easy, then guess what? Anybody can sit in the chair. You can take a five-year-old, put him in the chair, let him sign paperwork. When everybody is doing their job perfectly, when there are no challenges, when you have plenty of people, time, and resources, that doesn't take a whole lot of leadership. Now is when we need leadership. We only really need true leadership when times are tough. Mm -hmm. And this is when we need 
true leaders. So one of the greatest things that's going to come out of this, and you know, there's always a silver lining to everything. And yes, for the people who are affected by this, my heart breaks for you. And this is terrible. But in the business side of this, this is causing us to become more clear. This is causing us to look at our priorities where before when we were, you know, pretty fat and happy, we didn't have to worry about allocation of scarce resources. And now we do. This is going to make us better as a company, as teams, and certainly as leaders. Now, some leaders will fail because they're going to be hunkered in their homes. They're going to be paralyzed into inactivity. They're going to be fearful of making the wrong decisions so they make no decisions at all. And that for us is great clarity because those are not real leaders. Leadership is forged when things are tough. And this isn't even that bad. Wait a second. Our World War II generation, and your dad was part of that, and again, I'm so sorry about that, but they went to a war far away on ships that took forever to get there. It was horrible transit. It was horrible when they got there. And we're in our house. I got to tell you, I can stay in my house a long time. I'm comfortable. I have heat. I have air conditioning. I have a refrigerator full of food that I did not have to produce. We are so lucky. But again, that attention deficit as part of the chaff comes back because we do have all these options. It sometimes causes us to not be focused. And our job as leaders is to corral the team, get everybody together, and give people what they need in order to move forward. Yeah. And I think I love what you're saying too, because I think a lot of people, that person that sits there and is not going to be effective. I think a lot of us want to have almost, we see ourselves, we want to have this heroic role. We want to fill you know, this person to, you know, make decisions and be decisive. And I would really caution people in this environment, you know what, you have to be incredibly curious. You have to be open to learning. I mean, you, you need to be absolutely, I mean, almost maniacal about learning new things, reaching out to other people, being humble, taking in input from other people. Right now is the time also to be really transparent with your folks. Do not make promises you can't deliver on because hey, you know what, if you might have to let people go in two weeks, tell them today so they can start thinking about it, right? Be transparent. Let everybody know what you're going and don't make decisions based on emotions or fear because I think we have an inclination oftentimes to move away from discomfort. And right now, and I think you're absolutely right, this is when really people that have the ability to lead well are going to learn some skills or knock some of the edges off that's going to make you so much more effective when we come out of this. And we will. I don't know exactly when. I don't think anybody can put a finger on it, but there will be a day. And I think this is going to shift how we do business, but I think it's going to shift it in a way that's, I think, going to be really positive. I agree with you that I've got some groups that I'm working with right now and their leaders are scared. And I said, isn't this wonderful? And they're like, what? And I said, we're so lucky to be living during this amazing and fascinating time. We've never seen a global pandemic, pandemic move like this before. We've never seen it because now, thanks to global integration, we are more globally integrated, which means people travel back and forth to different countries, spreading this disease faster than ever. Isn't this fascinating? This is going to be something that you read about in history books in 10 and 20 years. Your kids are going to say, hey, mom, hey, dad, did you live through that pandemic? And you want to be able to tell them what it is you did and be proud of the work you did to be focused, to be active, and to make sure that you are taking the right actions during this time in a way you can be proud of. And this, again, is true leadership. It's true resiliency. One of my friends 
introduced me to somebody they were dating. It was a lovely young person who had had a fairly idyllic life. And they said, what do you think? And I said, they are a, young, a lovely young person. And um, they said, that's it. And I said, they're not very interesting. They haven't been through anything. They haven't really been challenged. They haven't, their life has been so perfect that I have no idea what their true character is because they've never been through anything. They've never been tested. They've never been pushed. They've never had a real difficulty that they've had to confront. And that to me is also why you're so interesting. Because when you've been through something that is life-challenging, life-threatening, difficult, and hard, it exposes your character, but it mm. also makes you more interesting. So for a lot of us, maybe we just needed to be more interesting. <laughs> yes, I think that's going to happen for a lot of us going through this, right? Because we're going to look back and go, I did that well. Or, you know, and here's something I would encourage people to do. And I, I have, the, you know, the people I coach and I work with do this. This is going to be a time, I think, of incredible learning. And I would encourage people to actually, if you don't journal, maybe just find a place, start writing, you know, notes down. Times you had to make big decisions or, you know, a day where you just didn't do well. We, we have a saying around here. It's called excellence is the standard, but grace is the word. Right? Mm -hmm. I want to perform at a level of excellence in my, every interaction, what we put out there. But you know what? I'm going to make a mistake. And we look at that mistake as a place of learning. So I always try to write down, even if I totally hose something up, hey, what did I do well in that moment? And what did I learn from that so I can get better? Because I think people are going to be looking back on this time. And it's going to be, like you said, Mary, it's going to be foundational for preparing you. Like I look back, I got out of the Navy. And I was a, just a knucklehead that got a sales job, right? And then, but I got some great mentors and I worked hard until I was ready to, then I was a sales manager. And then I just kept learning and failing forward and working. And I kept moving myself all the way up to the CEO spot. And it's a journey. And each thing that we go through prepares us for, I wouldn't say what's next, right? It really prepares us for when that next opportunity comes that's at a different level. I always said to myself, I want to be the person that they think about when they say, oh, hey, we need John to go do that. I know, Mary, that's, that's right. how you've operated your whole life, right? I view everything as an opportunity. And one of the things that I've been talking about and I, I've written about lately is don't waste this opportunity. And people are like, what? But I'm feeling, I'm not having all these feelings. Well, those feelings are valid. But again, we don't base decisions based on feelings. We don't base them on your opinion of how these events are swirling around you in this chaos. No, we base great decisions on facts. So don't waste the opportunity to be a great leader and make great decisions because that's what your people are counting on. This is what we need from you. We don't need you to be scared and fearful and afraid of making decisions. We need decisive leadership. Now, how do you internally develop that? Well, you do the things that you were just talking about. You journal, you keep some notes, you reflect on what it is you're learning. And so for my leaders, when they start to feel, have that feeling where they, feel, they themselves feel out of control, I'm like, okay, time out. Take 15 minutes and go read a history book. Go mm. read a business book, go read 15 minutes, get out of your own head. Because right now, all those things in your head are swirling around and you've got to organize your thoughts and get out of your own head. So go read something for 15 minutes. It doesn't really matter what it is. Reading allows our brain to take a break from everything else we're thinking about and just focus on that. It's a great way to refocus. And this is why so many of our great leaders of the past and today 
are big readers. So that's one technique I use. The second thing is, and I know I've talked to you about it, but I have a productivity sheet that I use each and every day. Um, and this is, oops, looks like this. I'm showing you this. And the columns that I use at the very top, it's a date. And I put, you know, Thursday, the 26th of March. And then I put my calls to make today, what I have to follow up on today, because a lot of times our follow-up gets lost. And that's why it's at the top. Our to-dos, it gets it out of your head. And then our appointments our short-term goals, and our accomplishments of the day. And this is on my website. It's a free download all the time. I was using my website as the cloud before there was a cloud because that way, wherever I was, I could always find it. I need my productivity sheet uh, every single and by day. By the way, you have the best resources. I, I would encourage, I use your stuff, your five-minute checklist for, oh my gosh, for every subject. So yeah, if you guys want to just go to like the leadership library that you wish you'd always had, just go to ProductiveLeaders.com. I'm serious. I'm not... I'm plugging you because it is so good. But so back to your oh. productivity sheet. Oh, you're so kind. And we finally, we took all of the best of those 52 five-minute plans because again, my business leaders, they need solutions right now. They don't have time mm -hmm. for, oh gosh, in six months you get to go to a conference or maybe you get to go to a thing. Or We need things now. So we took the best of those five-minute plans and the book, finally put it into a book. And it's divided into business planning, business growth, productivity, leadership, and teamwork. And those seem to be the five areas. And each of those five-minute plans is a fillable PDF. The book is on Amazon. And um, thank you so much for the kind plug on that because I use my own stuff. I drink my own Kool-Aid. And we put the productivity, just the five-minute systems as well as the daily plan, you know, the plan of the day, just like the Navy. And then my business plan of the day and then my plan of the week. And what it does is it helps the teams see what has to be done. It also prioritizes things. And for some things that we, especially now, when we're all caught up in all this confusion, we are sometimes procrastinating on the things we just don't want to do. We've all procrastinated. I know you've written a paper the night before it was due. Maybe the day of. <laughs> there you go. That's it. So we've all <laughs> procrastinated. And the idea on the weekly productivity plan is it puts it in minutes. You just say, hey, there's that one thing you have to do. It's going to take you 18 minutes to knock out. Get it done. What are you procrastinating for? And once you see it's only going to take 18 minutes or it's only going to take eight minutes or it's only going to take 45 minutes, your brain goes, oh, let's get that done. So right. I practice that. I practice getting things out of your head, get it onto paper. And again, I do use a lot of technology. I use scheduling tools. I do all of that. But when it comes time to neurologically clearing your mind, nothing works as well as putting pen to paper and making those lists. And some people say, I'm not a list maker. I totally understand that. That's why we break it up into areas so that your brain can get clear so that you can use your brain to do the big thinking, not the little thinking. So that's a tool and a technique. Read, make great lists, use the productivity tool if that works for you. And then the third thing is, and you mentioned it with the journaling. I'm mm -hmm. not a good journaler because I tend to think about big topics and you know, big macro issues. And that, again, the whole idea of journaling is to get thoughts out on paper. So I finally put together the five-minute gratitude plan, and that gratitude plan is things that I do, and I do it every night if I remember, because sometimes I don't, but it's a five-minute gratitude plan, and it's things like five things I worried about today, and then five things I didn't have to worry about today, and three things that went well, and three things I could do to make even tomorrow even better, things like that. And it, to me, that's journaling, but in a form, because my brain works best in forms. I like structure. And that's what works for me. So that has allowed me 
to, instead of looking at this virus crisis as this crisis, I am filled with gratitude. And it makes me sound woohoo-y, and you know I'm not a woohoo-y person. It fills me with gratitude because I see the opportunity, and as an economist and as a leader, we don't like to waste opportunity. We love to say, wow, there's new ideas that are coming out there. It's, this is going to change the workforce forever. This is going to be one of those tipping points in humanity, and we need to not waste this. Yeah, and I also like to point out too, um, because some of the resources that uh, I've learned from you, there's a lot of people that are being forced to go to remote teams, right? Uh, your entire team, I think, how many people do you have? Five? I have five um, that work directly for me, and then I've got another 21 who work around the world. And I've, like, I've got some people in Pakistan, and so my contact with them was, hey, how y'all doing? And we don't see it on the news, but they're having to shelter in place too. And I'm yeah. like, are you guys getting enough food? And he's like, yeah, but you know, my one guy was like, yeah, um, so work is still really tough. And so I'm like, yeah, if you need more work, just let me know and I'll get you more work. Uh, but we're all in this together and we have to increase the communication level, check in on our people more often. And I think that's where you were going with the ro remote teams before I so rudely interrupted you. Oh, no, not at all. I, I just, I'm saying, you know, a lot of the things that you would do with your team right there in the office, it's really, because I've had remote teams also, Mary, for well, after 9-11, we were forced to go to a remote team. I had a, an entire organization. I had seven offices in six states, and none of us could travel anymore. So everything had to be basically switched. But what I found was it was all the same things that we would do in person, but I had to be a lot more intentional about it, communicating, sometimes just calling, checking in, say, hey, how are you? Like you just did, the guy, you know, the person in Afghanistan. What do you need help with? You know, do we need to get you more work? But like you said before, though, and I think it's such a great thing to remember when you're calling people, be that person that's calm. Be that person that even in the ambiguity and all the chaff that's in the air, you're the person that's going to make a decision. And guess what? It doesn't have to be the best decision or even turns out maybe in hindsight the right decision. But take input, learn, and make the best decision that you can in the moment. And then you know what? And let your team know, hey, I'm, this is how I'm making this decision. I'm making it based on this, my best understanding at the time. I'm watching that right now with all of our leaders. And I think all of us should give all the leaders across all of these different spheres and in politics a little bit more grace. Because imagine how hard some of the decisions we're trying to make is. And now they're trying to make it for an, a nation. I don't envy some of the processes that they're having to go through because everything just gets questioned and we don't have that right it's our team it's our company it's not everybody you know trying to uh, pick everything apart no build a culture where we have friendships we have relationships we're gonna have some grace thrown in there and we're gonna just keep moving forward that together one of my very favorite bosses was an army three-star general and what he taught me, and one of the things he told his teams during 9-11 uh, was, we're never going to have 100% information. You have to make the best decision you have based on the information you have at the time you have. That's it. And ideally, all of your experience leading up to this will help you make that great decision. But keep in mind, you are never going to have 100% of the information. And other people are going to Monday morning quarterback you. And you're going to have to just accept that, that you're going to, other people are going to criticize your decisions. They're going to criticize what your teams do. They're going to criticize you. And in some cases, it's going to be very ugly. That does not absolve you from the decisions you have to make, especially when they're tough. And that might mean laying people off. It might mean um, cutting people's 
benefits in the short term. It might mean making some really tough decisions. It doesn't absolve you from that leadership. And that was a really great lesson mm. for me. Um, he was a terrific boss and we're still in contact. And he's kind of like, oh, we'll get through this. Like he doesn't really, I mean, this is an issue and he's definitely in that crisis uh, category for somebody who would be at risk, but he's got just such the best perspective on this. And then the other thing that this reminds me of, because I was in command during 9-11, was People need action and they need those action steps to be short-term wins because people need wins. People need mm. encouragement of the win. And this is why a to-do list is helpful because you get to cross off those lists. Some days I'll have my productivity sheet and I will look at it and say, wow, I really haven't been able to accomplish the things I wanted to. And I will write down, take vitamins while I'm chewing my gummies. You know, we need the quick wins. We need to be able to cross things off. So give your team <laughs> some quick wins. Give them what they need in order to stay encouraged, stay focused, and stay motivated because that's what they need from you. Yeah, I love that. I, uh, it reminds me of a saying, I, I used to want to get clarity, right? To get everything figured out, to make a decision, right? To move into action. And what I found was I had it totally backwards, Mary. What I found was when I make action, even with imperfect information, that action that I take is the only way that I could even get clarity. So action actually begets clarity. And I used to have it backwards and get stuck a lot, especially when I was a younger leader. And I think a lot of it was I was worried about how people would perceive me. I thought I had to be the answer man. What I found was if you set yourself up to be the shell answer man, then you create a dependency on everybody on your team and you can actually never get any rest or go to bed at night or go grab a snack because everybody is counting on you for every little piece of direction. So it's all about equipping and empowering and launching the people around you, making sure they have direction, that they're in motion, that they know what to do. And then your job as a leader is to make sure that they have the training, the knowledge, the experience, the tools to get their job done, not necessarily to provide all that yourself, depending on the size of your organization, but you have to make sure that that does get done. Then you have a team, I think, that can weather any storm. I totally agree with you. And one of the things you said, John, that I think is so valuable that people need to remember is that we are better together. We are mm -hmm. so much better when we can tap into the power of the people around us. And this is why I kind of love this little situation we're in because it is making us talk to other people. Now, all of a sudden, we got time. We have time to have meaningful conversations over the phone, over video conferencing platforms, whatever that is. And it helps us talk out the issues. And when we're talking things through, and this is why you and I both work in the corporate world as coaches and consultants and advisors, is because we are those people that our leaders call and say, okay, this is going on and let's talk this through. And we're able to give those people a perspective because we're letting them talk it out. They're thinking themselves, but then we're like, well, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And we're just helping them find that clarity, which is so valuable when you're in a leadership role. It's very easy to get lost in the chaos and that tort. It's easy to be on the peripherally of the tornado, just running around, running around, running around. We need to be in the inside where things are calm. And we also need to remember that if it's important, we have to do it right. And this is where people who are making rash decisions based on feelings or opinions or incomplete information, we're never going to have incomplete information, but you still have to be, as you said, curious enough to get good information. We have to get it right. 
because mm. these are people's lives, their careers, our businesses. This is what we rely on. Right now, the crisis in our country isn't necessarily the disease. It is getting the right gear to the people who are affected. That's the crisis. And this is the supply chain management. We need these people to be making great decisions. So now when we are allocating scarce resources in a very specific area, what are we doing to help those people get things to where they need to go? And that's really should be our, our thought every day. What is the most important thing we're doing today? Who are we best helping every single day? And what are the priorities we need to be thinking about today that's going to make the biggest difference? That's awesome. Well, Mary Kelly, as we wrap up, and you know, people out there have just been listening to this awesome conversation. I could listen to you all day. Any final thoughts you have for folks? They're out there right now, rocking and rolling, trying to figure um, all this out. If you can't change it, embrace it. And right now there's some things we can't change. And we in the military, you know, we have a phrase for this and it's not the politest, it's embrace the suck. So you know what, if things are going to be bad, just embrace it. Just get in there, get dirty. I remember being Quantico, you know, climbing through the mud and somehow the Marines, when training with the Marines, they're like, we make it as hard as possible on our people and we make them like it because you just embrace every part of it that's just awful and fun and engaging and it takes all of your energy and that's what I want people to remember right now is right now we're kind of in it so let's embrace it let's get everything out of this we possibly can let's make good decisions and let's be there for each other yeah you know when you say that because boy that's a flashback some of my best friends to this day Mary are those people that I went through the suck with because you were all in kind of this pressure cooker but guess what afterwards you go to the club, you have a beer, you're reminiscing 20 years later, like, hey, do you remember when? And all of a sudden, but it becomes just part of, I don't know, those are probably some of my favorite memories because they're also, I think, those times in my life where I was stretched the most, grew the most, learned the most about myself, right? That I actually, there was more, like, some of those folks, I got to tell you, they're amazing. Some of those drill sergeants and instructors I had saw things in me that I never saw in myself and challenged me and pushed me so far out of my comfort zone. I thought I was going to snap, but they knew that I could do it. And it was in those times of growth that were probably some of the most alive times of my life. And I think we're, we're in a period like that right now because there's a lot of us that are being stretched and pushed in new areas. We're going to have to rise to the occasion. So we can look back on this and say, you know what? I did it. I got through all of that and I did it as well as I could. I'm not going to say you crushed it because we're all going to make mistakes. But yeah, I love that you brought that up because I have a couple little flashback moments that will have to be for you and I next time we get together. <laughs> Hopefully over a beer. Hopefully yes. we'll be able to see each other then. That yes. would be fantastic. When you're healed. That's right. We'll get together with Sanborn because I know he enjoys a nice beer. Uh, and, and we will do that. And a bourbon. That's right. And a bourbon. Let's do it, John. Looking forward to it. All right. Thank you so much, Mary. You rock. You rock. Have a great day. <laughs> <laughs>